There is a beckoning to cross the river that divides religion and people, a field to meet where intimacy is truth and the word is life, a glimpse of the eternal with eyes made of earth. Let's have a picnic. Holy Spirit Picnic by Paul Reese. Welcome to the Worldview War Room. I am your host, Brenton Levi. And on this week's episode, we have my friend Paul Reese. He is an author, a speaker, and just an all-around good dude. He wrote the book, The Kinda Tiny Home, in which he chronicles his experience building a house from scratch with basically zero experience, which is awesome. And more recently, he wrote the book, The Psychedelic Christian, in which he shares his perspective about his belief in Jesus and his history of eating psychedelics hundreds of times. So he has a really unique perspective on uh, this issue, and I think it's an important thing to talk about with the rise and popularity of these compounds. So in this episode, we talk about psychedelics. We talk about dreams. We talk about demons. We talk about the nature of consciousness. It's a really good conversation. And of course, we talk about Jesus. So um, I hope you guys enjoy. And without further ado, here is Paul Reese. All right, Paul Reese, welcome to the Worldview War Room, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to the conversation we're about to have. Yeah, me too, man. I think it's going to be really good. Um, So I'm thinking, uh, just to start off, how about you give us an introduction to yourself, kind of um, maybe a little bit of your testimony and your relationship with Jesus Christ, and um, a little bit of just the things you're kind of passionate about, and we can go from there. Cool. My name is Paul Reese. I am 46 years old. I have an amazing wife named Brittany. I have a beautiful daughter named Kaylee. I work with the Hayhurst Brothers. I'm uh, doing uh, sales and marketing for them for really beautiful homes we build. And I also am a writer and a speaker. Um, I wrote a book called The Kind of Tiny Home about building a house by myself for the first time with no experience and the hardships that I went through. Uh, That's available on Amazon and most recently, uh, the reason for this podcast is I wrote a book uh, several months ago called The Psychedelic Christian and uh, that's available on Amazon as well and that book kind of um, shares with the world an experience that I held pretty private uh, my entire life until about three months ago and God called me to write this book I feel and uh, I've seen amazing fruit from it but uh, before I gave my life to Christ um, you know I was raised in an amazing Christian household with amazing parents like beautiful wonderful I mean examples of Christ like the best kind of love you can have and I moved I moved 46 times in my life so we moved around a lot growing up and I experienced a lot of different uh, people and Uh, realities and uh, my parents love was consistent to everybody everywhere that we moved 
And so they really did show our family and others the love of Christ. And so that was kind of ingrained in me growing up. And um, I'll say at around the age of 12, um, we were in kind of an unhealthy church environment. And due to uh, several things, I kind of rejected or closed my heart off to God and basically hardened my heart towards being open to um, God. And, you know, it's... uh, it's a hard thing to consider the concept of hell, to consider the concept of eternity uh, at early age. And I, I feel like if that's the sole focus of um, a message, and especially in the way that it's delivered, that um, having you know, decisions based out of fear, um, you know, in the Bible, it's a, it's a complete book and hell is in the Bible. Um, but it's not the only thing in the Bible. God's grace and God's love are also in the Bible. And so, you know, it was just at that point in my life, I think that fear overtook my heart and I really just um, rejected God and started to rebel and look for hypocrisy in the church and look for ways the Bible could be wrong. And uh, for the next 18 years after that, I kind of uh, rebelled against God and uh, not not so much when I lived with my parents because they disciplined and they, uh, you know, I was underneath their household, but whenever I graduated high school and went to college, I kind of just started partying and um, I got married uh, at an early age and I had a daughter and I was married for about three years and um, neither one of us knew Jesus. Some very deep spiritual things came up in our marriage that I didn't know how to deal with. I was immature. And we both hurt each other uh, very badly. And uh, so from that pain, um, I started looking for answers and I pursued many different things, um, whether it was relationships, whether it was meditation, uh, philosophy, world's religions, um, self-help books, new age practices. Uh, And then the psychedelics, uh, for about a decade, I took them hundreds of times. and uh, yeah, that journey left me uh, on a place where, from the world's perspective, I, people were coming to me and paying me a lot of money uh, to help them. Uh, and I was, you know, at the time, a lot of different things, a massage therapist and a trainer and a chef and a life coach and, a, you know, all the things. And I was, you know, living off grid with no electricity, eating 100% raw vegan, cleansing for long periods of time. Um, just on liquids and you know uh, if from the outside people would say wow this guy is kind of like you know he's tapped into something different and um, and it my physical body felt that way Uh, but I found out I was also doing lucid dreaming and I started to become really haunted in my dreams Uh, and um, usually I could take control of my dreams and kind of do what I wanted but in this specific instance these entities were taunting me in my dreams and I couldn't sleep and uh, they were more powerful than I was and I could feel it and they were it was like a dark hole like three like demonic dark holes were following me everywhere and like they're almost like taunting me like hey come play with us and like almost like in a childish way but like kind of making fun of me and um but they're very very evil and I could feel that and uh and I stopped sleeping and um and you know, if you don't sleep, you don't. You kind of lose touch with reality pretty quick. That's like a torture device that people use to make people lose their minds. But um, 
yeah, my friend uh, who was a Christian, I called him and I asked him to come over and he prayed with me and um, I felt like very specific spirits name themselves and leave me, uh, leave my body and I could feel what those spirits were manifesting in my life as far as what thoughts they were creating, what habits they were creating, what actions they were creating and I felt the relief with them gone and I felt the peace of the Holy Spirit for the first time and the power and I experienced the power of Jesus's name through prayer for the first time and uh, so I didn't give my life to Jesus that night but I did sleep well and I experienced um, the power of Jesus's name in a very real way and felt it and I knew that was it because I was doing everything that you could possibly do to overcome any sort of negative thought is what I would have labeled it at the time or you know you know repressed trauma or pain body or whatever you wanted to call it back then um but uh the next night i just got on my face and i just called out to god and i just said god I, like i don't know who you are i don't know what your name is i i just, i know i prayed last night in jesus's name and like i felt something i've never felt before and i realized that no matter everything i've done in my entire life has got me to the point where i just felt helpless against a spiritual reality and uh, I know that you're more powerful than that spiritual reality. I give my life to you, and I want you to show me directly uh, who you are through experience, through your word, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit. And um, yeah, I gave my life to God that night and to in uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, kind of the triune nature of God, and didn't have a full understanding of of the meaning of that at the time. But I um, I did pray to that because that was what had power the night before, and. It's, uh, yeah, since then it's been a journey, but that is um, something that is good. Uh, let's see, it said connection lost. Are you still good on your end? Yeah, I, uh, I still got you. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that's kind of a brief uh, testimony. All right, man. So, from here. yeah, my first question from that is what was your what I guess inspired you to call your Christian friend when you were dealing with the situation with your dreams? Uh, because we had had a lot of uh, deep talks. Um, he was part of a Socrates cafe. It was kind of a philosophy discussion group that we had developed. And you know, over the years of knowing him, uh, our conversations, uh, he his. Um, perspective on the Christian faith was a little different than what I had heard and he was more open to just having an open conversation and so uh, I also knew that he had prayed with people before and so it was kind of an act of desperation and I kind of was like an intuition like let's call him over because my meditation is not working like me smoking a bowl is not working uh, <laughs> me medi like me sun gazing isn't working me doing a breathing exercise isn't working me calming my mind isn't working uh, me eating the perfect diet isn't working me going and exhausting myself physically isn't working uh, so I, I was doing all the things that um, I was teaching people at the time to do to sleep better or to you know remove negative thoughts but uh, there was definitely a spiritual root to this and so yeah it was just an intuition based off our prior conversations Mm -hmm. Do you think in some respect, like, that was a way in, like, which Christ was, like, reaching out to you, or you were, like, kind of getting, you know what I mean? Like, you were some kind of being drawn to him through um, this this experience that you were having? 
Uh, yeah, in, in some way. Um, in some way, I would say that. Yeah, I think that most people give their lives to Christ uh, in moments of desperation whenever they realize that they can no longer do it through their own power, their own in intellect, uh, their own understanding, and they realize they need a power greater than themselves. And, you know, for me, I was able to sustain uh, my own intellectual uh, philosophy uh, for about 30 years uh, before I got to that place of desperation. And some people can go their whole lives. Some people it happens when they're eight or 20 or 50. And so I don't have, um, you know, a specific timeline, but for me, yeah, it was, it was being in a state of desperation where you realize that whatever I'm doing is not working and I'm doing everything that I possibly know to do and I'm doing everything that the world has told me to do and taught me to do. And so that's whenever the power of Jesus' name becomes very real when you see it in that manner. Yeah, definitely. That that was pretty much my experience as well, just kind of like hitting rock bottom and, and having to surrender because there was no other choice um, to an extent. Um, recently I heard someone say something along the lines of like, the people that end up surrendering their lives to Christ is like either because they have nothing um, or because they have everything and they realize that that doesn't, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't give them what they're looking for or they have nothing and they have like no other choice essentially. I thought that was right. kind of an interesting way of looking they have at the it. the Solomon moment. Solomon had everything. And he said, everything is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yep. All right, man. So um, what I'm really curious about is being in the New Age and doing psychedelics and you know meditation and all that kind of stuff, it has a very strong recognition of like you know metaphysical reality and kind of... Um, you know the nature of consciousness and the fact that the, you know material reality is not all that there is and how like i i'd be interested like kind of how you conceived all of that and i know it's a big question so you know you obviously don't have to go into the details but like how you conceived all of like metaphysical reality before christ and then after this experience um how that changed the way that you conceptualized um all of those things yeah um yeah, at that time, you know, like directly before I was giving my life, had given my life to Christ, I, uh, yeah, I would have said, you know, every moment we're creating our own reality, um, you know, our reaction to external stimuli, you know, we are in control of that. And, you know, um, What's interesting is that I, during that time period, I just I literally tried to disassociate myself from everything. And like looking back now, I was engaged in New Age practices, but back then I would have never said, "Yeah, I'm like part of the New Age religion." I would have never claimed it. But I was definitely doing things um, through meditation, through um, you know the act of manifesting through dream journaling, through uh, you know, the dream boards, intention, writing your intentions down, setting them as the positive present tense, not anything in the past tense or future tense. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say that, um, you know, I was, I was basically in control of my own reality and I believed that I was manifesting it. And to some degree we are, um, but that is, I think, like a sub-truth, and the real truth is that there's, you know, my own free will, 
which, you know, I want to raise my arm above my head. I'm doing that. Raise my left arm, then my right arm. Like, I, I can choose to do that. That's free will. And then there's God's will. Um, and whenever you give your life to Christ and you surrender yourself to God's will, uh, there is a harmony that exists um, and a surrender that can exist and a trusting that can exist and a peace that passes understanding that can exist to where if you're just creating your own reality, quote unquote, from a new age perspective, that works for a period of time. Um, you know, it might work like, oh, I'm going to, you know, manifest getting a car or something, and then you can manifest getting a car a year later. Well, that's great. That's like setting a goal. It's like just basics of this, the human <laughs> experience. Um, you know, but, you know, I had a, a woman I was in a relationship with. Um, she was very goal-oriented, very, like, uh, every, every single thing that was going to happen, she had it outlined. And... Um, you know, her entire like five year goal, 10 year goal, manifesting all these things, you know, like seeing the reality happening before it happens kind of stuff. And uh, she lost her father and seven year old son in a plane accident. And when she did, she said that it felt like the, um, her entire worldview, like she was standing on a rug and the rug just got pulled out from her really quickly. And then she was in the air with her feet in the air and she had no idea what to believe when that happened, um, because, you know, from the you are manifesting everything perspective, um, that means that she manifested her son dying and her father dying. And, uh, you know, that I don't, she, she didn't manifest her son dying and her father dying. Um, that was something that happened. And that's when you have a relationship with God, that's when the peace that passes understanding is a part of your experience. So there's a life situation that happened and when you're trying to understand it, you can either wrestle with it till the day you die, or you can have a peace uh, that goes past understanding it. And maybe one day you will understand it, or maybe it'll be face to face before God is when you understand it. But there is a peace that doesn't leave you that passes all of the um, misunderstandings that can happen in life that are really, really hard to wrap our minds around. And you know, as far as the meditation goes, um, I, you know, from a worldly perspective, I had a good talk with a guy the other day, and, um, you know, we're talking about meditation, and this is actually kind of an issue that I have with uh, some of the Christian teachers right now, is that there are biblical forms of these things, and then there's kind of the New Age practices of these things, or Eastern religion practices of these things, and, you know, there's probably literally thousands of types of meditation. Uh, the biblical uh, form of meditation, it says to meditate on my law day and night. It says to be still and know that I am God. So do you like meditate? Okay, be still, sit down in the woods, be still and know that he is God. <laughs> if that's how I'm having a hard time, meditate on my law. So the law is the Bible. So memorize scripture and just repeat that to yourself silently or out loud. Um, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, meditate or think on these things, depending on which version of the Bible you read. Um, and so, you know, those are very specific verses that kind of tell you what to do with your thoughts um, and that there is a meditation that can happen in stillness with God. Um, from the world's perspective uh, or from, you know, Eastern 
uh, there's like mantras. And so in these mantras, you know, like if you did transcendental meditation, you get prescribed a mantra and then you basically are saying a prayer in another language to a entity that is not God. Um, and if you channel that correctly, it can give you powers and access to get movie roles, you know. Um, <laughs> there's, <laughs> that's how Hollywood works, that's a true story. Um, uh, but, you know, so there's, there's thousands of forms of meditation. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I would say that the Christian form of meditation is to read and understand and know the Bible and make it a form of repetition towards ingrained in your heart, not just words. And then to be in constant awareness of who God is. And um, that can be a wonderful silent meditation or a spoken meditation. Um, it can take place in your car in traffic or in your bed at night or under a tree in the woods in silence or anytime. So uh, I would say that the difference, if you had to boil it down, is one meditation is goes to... Um, God the Father, uh, and the other form of meditation either goes towards you becoming your own God, quote unquote, lowercase g, um, or it goes to an entity outside of God, uh, a spiritual entity. So I would say those are the differences. Okay, yeah. So mentioning the entity, that, that brings me back to uh, the experience of your dream. And I'd be curious what you... I guess one, what you think those entities in your dream were, and then also if you had had any experiences with entities um, with your use of psychedelics in the past. Um, so my dream, yeah, at the time, they, I would have just described them as um, a negative dark vortex or black hole that the negativity felt more positive or felt more powerful than my positive energy could, you know, reach. That's how I would have described at the time. Um, reflecting now, I can say that they were absolutely demonic, um, you know, and so there's um, spiritual entities and the evil spirits. Um, their master is Satan in the same way that God has a um, host of angels that are messengers that... Um, are on his side and Satan has uh, entities that work for him. And so there is a constant war um, and the prize or what each side is warring over is the human spirit and soul. And uh, it takes place from when we're born to when we die. And uh, so, yeah, I would say that the things that were in my dreams at that time were demonic entities that were inviting me into a realm of darkness. And if I were to surrender to that, uh, that I could have, um, my life direction would have been much different than it is now. And did you, and did you have experience with entities at any other point in uh, your use of psychedelics? Because I know like one of the common things on um, ayahuasca is there's usually some kind of you know communication Serpent with entities yeah. yeah and then um, in DMT there's a really common I mean I'm sure as you know a really common experience of like entities that people um, contact and there's a lot of uh, commonalities between people's experiences with those things yeah um, yeah I would say that mm, I mean I 
you know, did them hundreds of times, like <laughs> not yeah. like 200 or through like hundreds, almost a thousand, I'd say. Wow. Um, so I, yeah, I would say almost every time you're interacting with the spirit realm and uh, seeing different forms of spiritual entities or matter or realities or the spiritual nature of people. Uh, and then even after um, giving my life to Christ and, you know, from a sober mindset, uh, encountering uh, them through spiritual warfare and prayer and seeing, um, you know, demonic activity in people. And it's not as absolute as I once thought uh, as far as me ascribing everything to having a spiritual root or cause behind it. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, I've seen and interacted with and um, prayed against and done warfare against um, lots, lots of uh, demonic activity. Um, and uh, Jesus, the name of Jesus is more powerful than any of it. And um, that's what I can say. But yeah, I, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times I've interacted in the spirit room and seen those things, interacted with them and communicated with them and had them in, had them in me. I mean, like literally and done battle with them and then done battle with them through other people and with other people. And yeah, seen some really, really crazy things in my life. Yeah, that sounds like it. Um, okay. So as a Christian now, um, and having had this experience with spiritual warfare, I'm curious how, because, you know, um, whether someone is a more charismatic Christian or, you know, not, um, you know, all Christians recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, we, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and to me, it seems like like he is, and correct me if I'm wrong, because my, my understanding of kind of how all of this reality works is still very new and not formed completely. But like, I would think the Holy Spirit is kind of like um, our main helper in regards to these spiritual uh, battles. So I'm curious kind of how you conceive your relationship with the Holy Spirit and in kind of interacting with these entities and having these spiritual um, battles. Yeah, so I, the Holy Spirit is something I believe that is always with you. Um, and when you become a Christian, that is always with you. Now, how that feels or what that looks like um, from a charismatic or non-charismatic perspective is, you know, up for a large amount of debate. Um, and what I've personally experienced is I've, there's a part in the book that I write that I experienced the Holy Spirit uh, for three months straight, and it was the most precious time in my entire life. And when I say experience the Holy Spirit, I don't believe the Holy Spirit ever leaves you. Uh, but there is a, a tangible presence and feeling um, that uh, was just so beautiful and at the same time heartbreaking and the same time revelatory and at the same time humbling and at the same time like filling me with love and joy and hope and promise and uh, glimpses uh, of, of eternity. And, um, you know, but I've, what I'm finding is a reoccurring theme in many of the people I have a conversation with is they say, well, I don't, I don't feel like God is real anymore, which means that perhaps they had a, an experience with the Holy Spirit and they attributed that feeling of the Holy Spirit to God being real. And then 
when they don't have that feeling, they feel like God's not real. So God's God being real or not real is based off of feeling instead of off of his word and off of, you know, observation of his creation as a whole speaking to who God is. And, you know, that's, um, I would just encourage those people that, uh, yeah, it does. God is more than a feeling. Uh, and if that feeling comes and God wants to impart to you something through feeling the Holy Spirit or reveal something to you through the Holy Spirit or love you through the Holy Spirit, then praise God. That's, that's amazing. But if that feeling isn't there, I find that it's a calling uh, to get deeper into his word, which is literally like it can become living and just like the Holy Spirit is. And if we pray for revelation before we read the Bible, the Bible can actually come alive and affect our hearts, our souls, and our minds um, in a way that I've never seen any other book do. And so, yeah, that's, um, that's a good question, though. So the whole... Yeah, the Holy Spirit, um, I would say more with prayer, um, I would in intermingle um, both the Holy Spirit and Jesus. You know, if, if I was actually doing, which I try not to do very much spiritual warfare anymore, or if I do, I just make sure I've learned some really hard lessons through it. But, um, but definitely praying in Jesus's name. Um, is, is the main part of it, uh, because that's the thing that has the power, um, because Jesus died on the cross to have power over that, and his name has power. And, but yeah, the Holy Spirit is also part of the prayer as well, and, you know, trying, trying to fully wrap your head around God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you know, that's, uh, maybe when I get to heaven, I'll fully comprehend it, and, you know, I can, you know, articulate it, but, uh, right now, I'm kind of I'm comfortable with living in the mystery of the understanding of it completely. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those things that I don't know if yeah I don't know if it's possible for us to comprehend that on this side of heaven. Um, yeah. Kind of like the the hypostatic union of of uh, Christ being 100% man and 100% God. It's kind of like um what? <laughs> right. Yeah. That what. They just, people just use language to, cry, to try to create language. But I think biblically, uh, the Bible says he was truly God and truly man. And I, now, whether we say, oh, does that mean 100%? Then how can someone be 200%? Or, <laughs> it's like, well, like he didn't break it down in percentages. He said he was truly God <laughs> and truly man. Yeah. And I'll just take that at face value. But. Yeah. All right. So, okay. I'm also curious... A lot of the people I know, myself included, um, mm -hmm. who have had experiences with psychedelics in the past and are now believers, mo most of them would say to some extent that they had some kind of valuable realizations or some sort of valuable experience with the psychedelics, even if they don't recommend that Christians use them. So I guess my question to you would be, um, is there any value at all? Do you think that there's any potential to use it safely um, with, you know, like putting on the armor of God and, you know, being secure in your faith in Christ and kind of having that as like a buffer um, to maybe to maybe uh, gain realization or have, you know, interactions with uh, this reality that we can access um, using these these um, tools or using these compounds? Um 
And uh, if not, do you think that we can achieve similar things just through like prayer and fasting and kind of the, the, the means that the Bible um, prescribes to us? Yeah, excellent question. <clears throat> so since releasing the book and doing these podcasts, I get I'm on the phone three to four nights a week with strangers and they are all very, very different, very interesting, very deep conversations with people who um, have, have a very similar questions and approach that you're having right now. And the other night, um, there was a woman that texted me and she said, can you write a spiritual safety guide for people who want to do psycho psychedelics recreationally, but don't want to become defiant towards God or get taken over by demonic entities? <laughs> that was her question. And, and, um, and I, I really appreciated the, uh, that she asked it. I mean, that's like a bold question to ask. And I didn't, I hadn't, uh, interacted with her yet, but, um, I did talk to her later that night. We had a good conversation, but I wanted to just get a piece of paper out and write the word don't on it. And then like text. <laughs> it out. Uh, here's my pamphlet. It says don't. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a fascinating topic and it's one that I wrestled with and I, uh, in the book that I wrote, it would have been double the length that it is uh, if I'd kept in the chapter called Should a Christian Eat Mushrooms? Um, and I wrestled for two years with God over that question. Um, so biblically, uh, there are things that we are called to as Christians. Uh, one is to be of a sound mind. Uh, one is to be sober-minded, which I believe that has more to do with alcohol and being drunk and I've tripped and I've been drunk and they're two completely different things. Uh, but there is an element of tripping, especially when you're really intense into it that you are not in full control of your helmet of salvation. So your thoughts, you're not fully in control of your thoughts. You're kind of surrendered to an experience and you can internalize and process the, that experience later. And to some degree you're aware of it, but in the same way that I have control over my thoughts right now, um, there is a difference. And so to know that um, as Christians, we're called to be sober-minded and to be of a sound mind, and we're to uh, have our helmet of salvation, which is part of the armor of God, to be protected at all times. I don't feel like, biblically, there are grounds for taking psychedelics to the point where you hallucinate. Um, where, I, where I've been wrestling with, and honestly, I'm kind of getting to the point now, the more conversations I have where I just tell people to avoid them completely. But, you know, I don't want to demonize God's creation. And so if there's a synthetic form of a psychedelic, I'd say avoid it completely. If you know, they continue to do the scientific research on mushrooms and they show that low dose and like microdosing of mushrooms um, it really helps people's brain chemistry and it helps them with you know depression ptsd anxiety um, which are things that have been shown to happen <clears throat> if that if that can be like verified that you're not going to hallucinate you're still in control of your thoughts and it has a medicinal value and it can be used in a wise way and it doesn't you know open someone up to that reality then then maybe that's something you should pray about um you know um there's there's a ton of men i mean every 
every medication right now that you go to a pharmacy for, to a doctor for, that has to do with, you know, anything to do with the mind. If you read the side effects, it says, you know, hallucination, suicidal thoughts, uh, depression, anxiety. It's like, wait, like, how are we okay with that? But we're not okay with, you know, part of God's creation. Um, and that was kind of my wrestling match is how just as the, in the Christian realm, I've had friends that I know and love that have taken medications and it's made them worse. And it's actually created hallucinatory effects and suicidal thoughts. And it's prescribed by the doctor. And like, may, I mean, would it be better if they just went and, you know, microdosed on mushrooms? And I still haven't had peace with that, but that's, that's, a, that's an area where I would be open to science actually showing that there's a way to engage that and it's healthy. Um, so <clears throat> the other, other interesting thing is if you read the Bible, um, people, God gives people dreams. So when they're dreaming, God gives people visions uh, in the Bible and God speaks through donkey. God speaks through a burning bush. God's, you know, I mean, there's some supernatural ways that God communicates and um, I've also hallucinated before off of sex, off of meditation, off of uh, riding my bike 110 miles at night and the sun was coming up the last 10 miles uh, when I was finishing this trek on this old mountain bike and uh, like I, all, all of a sudden everything was moving and I was not on any drugs, I was exhausted and so you know what the pineal gland does when there's high levels of exertion or fatigue um, or when you're sleeping, uh, it's interesting. And so what, what I would say is when I take a psychedelic and I take it intentionally, I, I know I'm going to have a spiritual experience. Um, whether that spiritual experience is good or bad, um, I don't know before I take it. Um, but I do know that I will have a spiritual experience that I will grow from and you know that growth may not be positive I'm not here to, to defend that but you will grow because you have something to process and in that processing there's growth uh, so what I'm finding is that people uh, when they start taking psychedelics they take it more and more kind of in this path to enlightenment that I pursued and the growth almost becomes the um, it's not addiction, but it's like a, a pride-based um, life pattern, growth chart. I don't know how to best describe it, but uh, you become your own God in the fact that you are creating your own spiritual growth by taking a stimulus that is going to make you interact with that realm. Whereas if God, like God allowed me to experience the Holy Spirit for three months, I felt like I learned more honestly from one experience with the Holy Spirit than I did with a decade's worth of psychedelics um, but God also I haven't had a truly like a vision from the Holy Spirit in, in a while like a, an intense one like there's things where God will reveal things to me and it's precious and you know comfort me and you know things like that but like God is in control of how I grow at this point. And if God decides that tonight he's going to give me a, a vision and the Holy Spirit's going to impart something to me, then God decides that I'm ready to grow spiritually. I'm not deciding my own spiritual growth. 
And so that to me is the main difference is that one, like in my bio, in my book, I wrote that, you know, David in the Bible, if you read Psalms, like one Psalm, he's like, God, where are you? Like, I'm in a desert. I'm alone. You're nowhere to be found. Like, in like literally like searching for God everywhere, like feeling like God is nowhere near him. In the next chapter, he's like, God, you're, thank you. You're everywhere. You provide my every need. Like, and so there's something about God's presence and lack of presence that deepens our understanding of his nature and also deepens our trust in his understanding of how we need to grow spiritually. And I find that psychedelics, what they do is they accelerate your growth um, in life at an unnatural pace. And it might be like, wow, you know, psychedelics, I just did like 10 years of therapy in one night. Um, and that, that can happen because I've, I've seen it happen now. What I've also seen is people have that experience and within three weeks their life was completely back to what it was before. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I see them continuing to pursue it and there's something unnatural about that type of growth where it's unsustainable. And anybody that I've seen that continually pursues that for long periods of time, they kind of go crazy or they become honestly sorcerers or you know they, they start to um, channel the spirits that they're interacting with and they start to wield them for their own benefit and own power, but to the detriment of their soul. And that's very dangerous. Um, and that's another part of it as well. And so I would just, you know, um, I would tell Christians to avoid them. Um, and I believe that there is something to fasting. Uh, I just had, you know, a really intense thing happened in my life about a week ago and uh, with people that I love and it was spiritual nature and God just said don't eat so just for three days I just drank liquids and stayed in prayer and it was so precious and I literally grew so much in those three days because God just was putting things on my heart and revealing things to me and showing me how to pray for things and show me what the root of some of these issues were and just breaking my heart for people not even in the need to be right or the need to uh, do anything but besides just be broken before God and like bring people that I love before his throne and there was something precious in that fasting and so you know I think there's ways to have deeper spiritual intimacy with God and that's through meditating on his laws through fasting through praying um, through being aware of you know each breath being a blessing from God and carrying that through the entire day with you and so um, yeah those are um, that's kind of I don't know if I hit on all the things that you talked about but that's kind of my take on it right now yeah no I love that um, I think that's that's a really balanced and wise way of looking at it for sure um, all right I just have a couple more questions for you um, and this one um, just take it wherever you want. I'm going to throw a couple of things in there. Uh, you don't have to touch on all of it, but I'm just kind of going to set the stage a little bit for the question. Um, yeah. There, people that are um, in power um, in this world, there is a um, there's a portion of them that are actively using psychedelics and other techniques to contact entities that um, you know they communicate with and they give them um, instruction or whatever right um, and I think 
that that uh, reality is something that um, has kind of began to, to permeate down into the rest of the culture um, that pe- like the fact that uh, psychedelics are becoming more and more popular and more and more uh, culturally accepted, you know, with people like Joe Rogan and um, whoever else, you know, even like celebrities now are talking about using psychedelics. I guess so, so my question is, do you think that there is um, an intentional uh, push to make these things more accepted? Or um, if not, then what, why do you think it is that, that the culture is becoming more open to it? And what, what is the draw of psychedelics for kind of your average person who, you know, doesn't know Christ and, you know, maybe isn't even really religious or, or um, you know, kind of more of a secular uh, person, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I feel like we are on the edge. Actually, we're kind of, we've already started it, but there's going to be a mass uh, spiritual convergence uh, with many people taking psychedelics and uh, it's not going to be good. There's going to, it's going to be sorcery at the highest, basically orchestrated sorcery uh, through media, through spirit. Um, and uh, it's going to be pretty detrimental. And I believe there will be um, a great delusion. Um, that's kind of already happening now. Um, the draw to it, honestly, is uh, you have someone like Aaron Rodgers, who's, you know, back-to-back MVP, which is the height of... If, if you're a football player and you're an MVP of a NFL team, you're worshipped, um, whether that's your design or not. Um, you know, that's, that's irrelevant. Uh, it, it's a byproduct of that role is that you're worshipped by people and you're idolized. And so if you have him saying, well, it wasn't me watching tape, it wasn't me practicing, it wasn't me working out, it wasn't my genetics, it wasn't my work ethic, it wasn't my teammates, it wasn't um, God-given skill, uh, it was me taking ayahuasca. That's what I attribute winning two-time MVP to. Um, and so if you have a bunch of you know, athletes who are doing all of the other things, but they're not winning a two-time MVP, all of a sudden you have literally millions of athletes that may be opening themselves up to taking psychedelics in hopes that the same insights uh, that Aaron Rodgers got um, that made him two-time MVP, that maybe they can get it as well. And uh, the enemy would love, love nothing more than for millions of young people with all the potential in the world in them that are leaders to open up their portals to the spirit realm in hopes that they will become the next Aaron Rodgers and get some insight or some sort of uh, integration of information that would allow them to be that kind of leader. And, um, you know, for a fraction of them, something like that may, be hap- may happen. And then for others, <clears throat> maybe they go crazy. Maybe spirits take over their lives. Maybe, um, maybe they have a breakthrough and then they continue to do them. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways that that can manifest. But the end result is that a majority of people um, will be subjecting themselves to a spiritual reality that they have no discernment or wisdom or understanding with how to interact with and it can be very very dangerous um, and you know I like I said I'm not I've seen people that seemingly had really positive 
experiences with them. And even in hindsight now, I look back at some of those and I almost wonder if it is, if, if the enemy uh, is in control of that experience. And let's say you have somebody who has insecurity, um, you know, from their youth. I, I don't know if their father wasn't there or if someone made fun of them or somebody broke up with them or whatever that is, if they have an insecurity and then they have take a trip and they say, wow, I see that root of insecurity where it came in at, and I forgive myself and that person and I am ready to not recognize who I was as a part of that story anymore, which this is all, this is a common storyline from people who do psychedelics. Um, this isn't speaking to anyone specifically, but this is a common theme. And so they'll actually feel transformed after an experience and will be like, wow, I could have gone to therapy for 10 years and you know never had this type of insight or breakthrough. But if what happened from that <clears throat> is now they are quote unquote more aware, they can have a pride-based and ego-based and self-based um, ideology built up about their experience that says I am more powerful than my insecurity and so they that's the very first steps to starting to become quote unquote their own God and not to mm -hmm. need God is because so they've traded insecurity for pride and pride probably feels a lot better than insecurity in that situation um, and it's never readily apparent uh, in that situation that's what's happening and I'm not saying that's an absolute thing and I could very well be speaking about myself and in the path that I was on where I thought I was portraying myself as humble, but if God knew my heart and I knew my heart, I had a ton of pride that I was more aware than people, even though I could have appeared <clears throat> to be more humble than people. Um, so um, that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's all, that's all coming, man. Um, I kind of want to, I want to do a documentary, um, maybe hopefully this fall and maybe get five or six leaders who are Christians out who've been in the psychedelic reality before and kind of as an answer to the Netflix, Michael Pollan series, the Joe Rogan stuff, the Aaron Rodgers, the Megan Fox, the, the basically the mass push right now is just like, hey, before you do that, like, I kind of just want to do um, a very simple documentary with people who have done it who know Jesus now as like a warning. And uh, we'll see if that can happen just with time and finances and orchestration and all that but I think that would be powerful right now yeah I think it would be very helpful to just allow people to see um, the, pot the potential negatives and to be able to understand that um, there is an alternative in Christ that will give you everything that you're looking for from these things and so much more um, yeah. and I, I really think that um, what you, you said that you know getting that pride from the spiritual realization and um, just the idea of like using these things um, as a way to like supercharge or to enhance your spiritual uh, development that is I mean that's it's it's eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil I mean it's it's taking you know taking that autonomy over our spiritual growth and being our own God I mean it really I think boils down to to that yeah absolutely okay so one more question um, and this is a little bit broader in the fact that not you know not just in regards to to psychedelics. Um, the the subtitle of this podcast is creating Christian culture, and one of the creating things that is 
Can you repeat that? Creating what? It's a creating Christian culture. Okay, gotcha. And um, one of the things that really struck me about uh, meeting you and your community um, and just everything you were doing with Line 2 is that, I mean, it seems like y'all are doing that. Um, You know, you have a community of people that, um, you know, are have dedicated their lives to to Jesus and are living it out. Um, You know, you're homeschooling your kids. You are, you know, you're not, you're not following the ways of the world. And I guess my question is, what are some just practical tips um, that you would give people that um, are interested in doing that? And and, um, I guess, you know, if you can kind of integrate this into your answer as well, like, like, why, why do you think that's important and needed uh, in the world that we're living in now? Yeah, people are um, going to be searching for that. Uh, they're already searching for it, searching for truth. Um, but people are also searching for community. And, um, okay, so that was kind of a broad question. Let me kind of narrow it down to... Yeah, please. <laughs> um, you know, even uh, like... Where I work at the Hayers Brothers, um, since the day that I've started there five years ago, and there's 14 of us now that work there, um, we read the Bible every morning, um, a chapter of the Bible, and discuss it. And then we begin our work day. And so there is a, it's very, very rare. I might have seen one other business that I've been a part of in my entire life, and that was even used in kind of a manipulative way, but um, that that was a part of their reality. And I believe that, you know, having a foundation on God's word as a part of your community um, is important. Uh, Also, just the willingness to help others. Um, Anytime something happens out here with the community of people that we've built up, um, like it's overwhelming the response that you can have. And I know I've lived in the city, I've lived in cities before in small towns and Every, everywhere, and it's really rare, <clears throat> excuse me, really rare um, the type of community that we have out here, and I praise God, it's a blessing. Um, but I think what it is, is each family loves God and loves, you know, their children, loves their wife, loves their husbands, and um, that kind of, if you have a community of people doing that, then it becomes really apparent uh, when you're around them, you can almost feel it, it's tangible, it's... Um, you know, people that go to these sweat lodges or go do ayahuasca retreats or go um, <clears throat> the silent retreats, they'll do a similar thing. Like they'll experience community for a little while. Um, but I, I've never seen, <laughs> um, you know, an ayahuasca ceremony group of people ever be able to live together for a very long period of time before it's just absolutely insanity. I mean, <laughs> Everybody will be sleeping with each other and people will just hate the leader and think the leader's manipulative and they're being manipulative and everybody's more aware and thinks it's just like it, it would take about three weeks. And then <laughs> and then if, if that isn't the case, then there's usually a cult leader who's just really good at, uh, you know, dealing with young people who don't have the same spiritual insights and power from channeling these things. But uh but yeah, so it's, um, you know, I feel blessed to be a part of it, but I think that honestly just like walking the Christian faith out and, and it's not easy. Like 
being in today's culture, in today's world, uh, it's everywhere. I mean, you can't, I can't get on my phone, I can't get on the computer, I can't turn on the radio, I can't drive into Dallas or Austin or any flying anywhere and just billboard. It's like everywhere. The, the culture is against God. Um, and so to actually stand for something in today's culture, um, it's, a, it's a good challenge, but it's also, um, it's the truth. Uh, and so people can judge you or feel judged by it. And, but ultimately the truth will win in the end. And so just continue to stand in truth, but stand in truth and love. And that's, that's the main challenge that I um, have to live with is, is doing all these things out of love and not just out of a need to be right or um, to be self-righteous or prideful or, you know, it's to truly try to do that out of love. And, uh, you know, but that being a Christian, there's still going to be challenges. Like our community has faced challenges that... Honestly, if we weren't a Christian community, would have destroyed um, our community if if we didn't have the foundation um, with Christ. And so, um, yeah, good questions. I don't I, that I think that answer could go on for an hour, but uh, that's kind of what I've <laughs> yeah. got right now. Yeah, um, I think that's great, um, especially just kind of topping it off with, you know, it's not only obedience; it's like obedience out of love, and I think that's a really important thing that I definitely need to uh, do a better job of remembering sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, Hopefully this conversation, um, you know, is edifying and blesses the people that hear it. And um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe somewhere down the line, I'll get you back on and we can talk a little bit more about that whole community thing and what you're doing with line too, because I think that's also a really fascinating um, topic that we could talk about. Yeah, I'd love that, Levi. I appreciate your time and your questions. And uh, yeah, I pray that this conversation will affect someone's heart and uh, they'll come to know Jesus, man. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the worldview war room i'm really glad that paul got to come on and share his thoughts and his experiences and i really hope that anyone that has either had experiences with psychedelics in the past or has been considering them can um reconsider based on some of the information that they've heard in this podcast uh, with that said i hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week and go out there and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'll see you here next time on the Worldview War Room.